coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. I met a neighbor of mine that lived across the street, and he had asked me if he wanted if I wanted a beer that he had made, and I'm like, absolutely. So I had that, and I was like, I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. You have to show me how to do this. That was a mistake for me because it became an obsession at that point. So <laughs> right. I, Sounds like home, something like Kevin would do. The best thing about this hobby is even if you screw it up, you still have beer. <laughs> <laughs> St. Louis style pizza is not the same as most people understand pizza, where it's ultra thin crust, like cracker thin crust, and it's crispy. And it's made with Provel cheese. And people say, oh, you mean provolone? Nope, that's not what I mean at all. I mean Provel. Provel is a cheese that you can only buy in St. Louis. But that gooey butter cake that we have took the Strawberry Festival Blue Ribbon uh, two years ago, 2019. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download, and then you can listen to them anytime you want like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Dan Pemberton from the Pesky Pelican Brew Pub. One day, Dan got into home brewing and then became an accidental restaurateur and professional brewer. Kevin and I will also discuss CO2 shortages, a seed bunker, and price fixing in the chicken industry. We We have have a great great show, so so stick around. around. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG, because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list. Best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Marys, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays. And they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 10.30, and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. Mm-hmm. 
So over a month ago, I read about CO2 shortages, and I told you, Lori, yes, you since did. you use CO2 cartridges to make your own soda water. In my soda stream. Right. And then what happened? What'd you do? I listened to you, thank God. And I think I took six or seven, because um, I trade the bottles in, and I, at first I was buying them, and then I found out you could trade them in at Target for half the price of buying a cartridge. So anyway, I took like six or seven empty cartridges that I had laying around and uh, went to one Target, I think out in Tyrone, and they had none. Then I went to another, the Target over on uh, MLK and uh, 83rd, they had none. I asked the girl if she would please call the one on Park Boulevard for me, and she was very, very, very upset about having to do that, but she did it, and luckily they did have cartridges so i ran around to three different tar- targets and they actually had all of them so i was able to trade for all seven thank god cool so because you did find that that I, was i did find it that, that time and then when i went to trade the other three that had just gotten emptied because i'm trying to keep them filled they said no targets anywhere have them at all hmm. but then i asked you if you could check with some of the brewers and you talked to jessica Bledsoe at overflow brewing right and she said that they don't have any issues. They haven't run into anything at this point. Right. So then we kind of forgot about it. But now a new Wall Street Journal article came out last week about further CO2 shortages titled A Coronavirus Chain Reaction. Less driving means less fizz for sodas. Carbon dioxide output is down as the drop in gasoline demand slows fuel production. Wow. So interestingly, I'm going to read part of this article for you. As the summer season approaches, consumers might end up paying more for their beer and soft drinks. The reason? The cost of the bubbles in the drinks is going up. It's a big concern, said Vinny Silorzo, owner of Santa Rosa, California-based Russian River Brewing Company. They employ more than 200 people at the brewery and restaurants. He has been paying 25% more for his carbon dioxide since last month, but so far has been absorbing the higher cost. The deal is that Carbon dioxide is a byproduct of ethanol, which by federal mandate is mixed into gasoline to help it burn more cleanly. But fewer people are driving because of COVID-19 lockdowns, and demand for gasoline has plunged, prompting ethanol plants to shut down. Check this out. Brewers, pork producers, and other big carbon dioxide users that wrote to the White House last month warning of a potential shortage. So, I have no idea how, why or how pork producers use carbon dioxide. I have no idea either. And they should just come here to Florida because it doesn't seem like driving shut down much at all here. Yeah. And it's not a problem here except for you trying to get your CO2 cartridges to make your own soda water. Right. Because I checked with Sea Dog Brewing in Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Also, I asked about their bigger operations in Maine. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. Also, locally, I checked with I heard back from Flying Boat Brewing Company, St. Pete Brewing Company, and by the way, they just opened back up last Friday, June 5th. Mm-hmm. If I Brewed the World, Cage Brewing, Overflow Brewing, and Pinellas Ale Works. None of them are having any problem getting CO2. If I Brewed the World said, no, not yet, but you're the second person to ask me that. We get it from air gas and so far no issues. 
Cage Brewing said, no problems yet. We get our CO2 from new CO2, N-U-C-O-2. Mm-hmm. And I got a hold of Ryan over at Overflow, even though you talked to Jessica before. And he says, not that I've seen. We have a massive tank and they pop in once a month to top it off, usually before any of us are there. And I didn't hear back from Green Bench, Cycle, Brewing, Three Daughters, Avid, or Masteries. Mm. So, and we'll, we'll ask Dan Pemberton when we have him on next. Right. But He's probably going to say the same thing. Right. So my guess is that what the Wall Street Journal is reporting on is maybe it's certain areas of the U.S. and maybe your cartridges right. come from those areas and get distributed through Target. Right, could be. And also another theory I have is that it's the big brewers that use tons and tons of it and the smaller scale guys, you know, maybe you know, they don't need as much. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it has, some, maybe it has something to do with the, the size of the operation. Okay, next up, this one I thought was really intriguing. Plan to save world's crops lives in a Norwegian bunker. Vault with more than million seed samples is intended to safeguard plants that feed people worldwide. And just a little piece of the article says, 600 miles from the North Pole on an island the size of West Virginia, at the end of a tunnel bored into a mountain, lies a vault filled with more than 1 million samples of seeds harvested from 6,374 species of plants grown in 249 locations around the globe. The collection, the largest of its kind, is intended to safeguard the genetic diversity of the crops that feed the world. Who in the world thinks of this kind of stuff? It's, and it, funds it, it? It's brilliant, though. It is brilliant, but it's like, who funded that? The vault, built in 2008 at a cost of about $9 million, is owned and maintained by Norway, but its contents belong to the countries and places that provide the samples. It works like a safe deposit box at the bank, said Carrie Fowler, an American ag- agriculturalist who helped found the vault. Norway owns the facility, but not the boxes of the seeds. Mm. So far, only one depositor has needed to withdraw its samples from the vault. That was in 2015, after the International Center for Agricultural Research in the dry areas was destroyed in the Syrian civil war, Scientists who had fled the country withdrew seeds to regenerate plants in Lebanon and Morocco. That's pretty cool. You know what that that reminds me of? Way back, I guess it was 1959, the Cuban Revolution, when Castro took over. Mm -hmm. He took over and said, okay, the state now owns everything. And the Cuban tobacco farmers that made the famous Cuban cigars Mm -hmm. fled the country with their pockets filled with cigar seeds, tobacco seeds Mm -hmm. for the cigars. And went to like Honduras and a bunch of other places. Mm-hmm. Dominican Republic is huge. But anyway, uh, this is kind of cool. It says, it had one of the world's biggest and best collections of wheat, barley, lentils, chickpeas, faba beans, and gra- grass pea. Grass pea. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like something. Uh, yeah, never don't, mind. Don't pee on my grass. <laughs> it was the chief supplier of a disease-resistant wheat variety for the Middle East. In 2017, the group returned copies of its seeds to the vault. The 18,540 square foot seed vault includes three rooms with a capacity to house 4.5 million samples of 500 seeds each, a maximum of 2.25 billion seeds. Yeah, you just boggled me with all that. I just thought that was interesting. All those numbers, I'm like, huh? Okay, so I, I have one left. Okay. And this one, the best part of it are the comments on the article. So I'm just going to give you a small piece of it. This just came out uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Chicken industry executives, including Pilgrim Pride CEO, indicted on price-fixing charges. 
Indictment alleges current and former senior executives at Pilgrims and Claxton Poultry Farms fixed prices and rigged bids from 2012 to 2017. So this has nothing to do with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And there's even stuff that goes beyond that. So the indictments came, come amid growing concern among farmers, grocery stores, and restaurants that declining competition among a smaller number of big meat packers is pushing up meat prices for consumers while reducing farmers and ranchers' income. Some of the country's biggest grocery chains, including Walmart, Kroger, and Albertsons, sued chicken companies last year, alleging anti-competitive practices. Executives who cheat American consumers, restaurateurs, and grocers and compromise the integrity of our food supply will be held responsible for their actions, U.S. Assistant Attorney General Mackin Delarim, the Justice Department's antitrust chief, said. So collusion accusations have shadowed the poultry industry since late 2016 when restaurant companies and other poultry providers or poultry buyers sued major poultry producers, accusing them of illegally coordinating operations to inflate prices. The chicken companies, including Pilgrims, Claxton, Tyson Foods, Sanderson Farms, and Purdue Farms, have denied those allegations and are fighting the civil lawsuits. They said that supply and demand factors drove poultry prices higher over the years, including rising domestic consumption and exports. That's a little piece of the article. Now, here's a few of my favorite comments on it. Dare I say it? There's something foul going on here. <laughs> that was good. None of them wanted to be the first to drop prices. They were just playing a game of chicken. Why did the chicken cross the road to collude with the other side? Oh, jeez. This is an actual response to. This is not me. Mm. These responses are comedy gold today. I think we've been cooped up too long. <laughs> That's the truth. The CEO must think he's Attila the Hen or something. Jeez. Oh, and then here's the last one. There once was a group that sold chicken. They decided the price needed fixing. They colluded together like birds of a feather and will soon be cooped up in the pen. Bad on the rhyme on the end. But Very it's bad on the rhyme on the end. I'm like, he's doing so good there. Yeah. All right. After this brief word from our sponsors, we will be back with Dan Pemberton from the Pesky Pelican Brew Pub. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Before we have the interview with Dan, we wanted to let you know that we didn't get to go to Pesky Pelican before the interview, but afterwards we went right away, and we loved the food. Yes, we did. Well, you'll hear it when you hear Dan talking, but oh my gosh, he started describing the food, and he was doing such a good job at it, we might have to use him for some adjectives down the road when we're writing, that I looked at Kevin after he left, I'm like, we need to go to the Pesky Pelican. He goes, let's go. Yes, yeah, so be sure to check stpetersburgfoodies.com for the write-up on the special 
St. Louis food at yes. Pesky Pelican. It was really fun to try. It's almost like a different cuisine, like a different take on a cuisine. Yeah, it was awesome. We learned a lot of yeah, new stuff. It was really cool. Okay, here we go with the interview with Dan. Please welcome the owner and manager of the Pesky Pelican Brew Pub, Dan Pemberton. Welcome, Dan. Welcome. Thank you, guys. So let's learn a little bit about you. There's a lot of cool stuff about Pesky Pelican that we're going to talk about and how you got started with that. I did some reading on it. But what I don't know is your background. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, guys. Um, I, this, this is actually my first endeavor into the restaurant business. For the, the, my previous life, I was uh, in the computer industry. I uh, actually traveled around the world doing installation and training and support of computer systems. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it was quite a change. But the, the main reason, you know, that I even I made that change is um, I, I really uh, enjoyed making beers and brewery. Uh, seemed like the, the next logical step as far as the way St. Petersburg was going. Uh, hey, I got a beer. With all the breweries that were popping up. And uh, this place became available, and it seemed like it was just the right time for me to make that change. So uh, I went ahead and purchased, purchased the place, and, uh, you know, here we are today. Right. Actually, four years later, our anniversary was uh, last oh, Monday. Oh, happy anniversary. Yeah, that would be, uh, well, J- June 1st. You, right. you guys June turned 1st, four yes. years old, right? Yeah. Yes, June 1st was our anniversary. Yeah, we started the same year, 2016. Right, that's true. So where are you originally from? Uh, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. And um, been down here, well, actually, uh, we, we wound up uh, from, in 1982, there was a flood in St. Louis, one of many, but... Uh, our house actually floated down the road. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we, the family packed up, and we went down to Fort Myers, and, and we were down there for a couple of years. But the St. Louis Cardinals used to spring train here in St. Pete. And so uh, I, I would come up for spring training up here, and I was like, well, this is a lot nicer area. that I." So I decided that you know I was going to come up here, and then the family wound up following later. And we've pretty much been up here ever since. Then it was about eight, Yeah, about 84. 84? Yeah, 1984, we moved up here and uh, pretty much been here ever since. I went back to Missouri for a few years when my granddaughter was born in 2005. And uh, I moved back to St. Pete in 2010 into the neighborhood right where the Pesky Pelican is located. Oh, cool. Wow. Yep. Fortunately for me, my granddaughter just moved here right before the COVID incident started. And uh, so she's living here with me now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. So when you were traveling around the world with the uh, software installation, uh, do you have any favorite places outside the U.S.? Oh, man. You know, there's a lot of cool places. Uh, A lot of cool places in this world that I've been to. Uh, Guam was really neat. Uh, Went hiking in the jungles of Guam and saw some pretty cool uh, waterfalls and just a bunch of different really neat stuff there. Uh, It was fun. A fun fact of Guam is that you can... You can put your feet in two oceans in less than 20 minutes <laughs> from one ocean to the next. It's pretty what cool. What are the two oceans? Uh, yeah, uh, the Indian Ocean and the uh-huh. Atlantic. Wow. So, or the Pacific. Pacific, I'm sorry, yeah. The Pacific, not yeah. The, yeah, the Pacific. Um, so, yeah, it was that was pretty neat. And then we, um, uh, Panama was pretty cool. I really liked Panama. Uh, the canal was really interesting. I, I got to meet a lot of people there, and they, they gave me a lot of really good information and, you know, inter- interesting history of, of how the whole thing came about. So there, there's, a, 
my adventures have been pretty far, uh, but I still like the U.S. the best. I mean, there's so many different things you can do in the U.S. and, and different landscapes and, and just stuff to see here. Yeah, that's true. It's amazing. Yep. But, yeah, that's very true. It, interesting because Guam is not a place I would have ever come to mind for to travel to, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, trust me, it was, uh, it was one of those, oh, really? Yeah. Guam? Uh, okay. And uh, the crazy part is it's probably the most expensive place you can fly to ever. Oh, really? Wow. Tickets are just astronomical to get there. And, it, and it's like, it's a U.S. territory. You'd think it'd be somewhat, it, it's not that, it's not that expensive to go to Japan, but to get from Japan to Guam is like crazy. Wow. Yeah. I guess it's so yeah. remote, I guess. What type of software yeah. were you dealing with? Uh, so the software uh, was a company I worked for, uh, actually still own part of the company. It's uh, called ComCom Systems and they develop ICR, OCR, handprint character recognition software. Cool. So o OCR is optical character recognition, right? That is correct. And ICR is intelligent character huh. recognition, which is the handprint version of the. Oh, optical. cool. So, yeah. So we did that for quite a, some time. Uh, our big thing was uh, working with uh, insurance companies. So like when you go to a doctor, the doctor sends a bill to the insurance company and that bill is always on the same form. So we would take that form and scan it in. So somebody didn't have to type it in. That's cool. You know, all, yeah, it was pretty, you know, I, I actually occasionally use that technology myself for foodies as a matter of fact, because I don't like to type much because I type pretty bad. <laughs> so occasionally like this, this doesn't apply to Pesky Pelican because your menu is actually, um, digital, but sometimes a restaurant menu online will be like a, a graphic, like a JPEG. So I'll just download it yep. and run it through OCR and then I can copy paste the menu yep. items yep. and descriptions when I'm doing a review. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the technology is fantastic. And, and one of the reasons I actually uh, was fascinated and wound up going to work for the company originally was the fact I don't like the technology. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So, so how did you get started home brewing? So, uh, again, when I moved back to Missouri, uh, when my granddaughter was born, there was not a whole lot of good beer to be had in the boot hill of Missouri. Mm -hmm. You know, it was in 2005, the explosion hadn't happened yet. It was starting to come around a little bit, but there was still just not a lot of good beer to be found. I met a neighbor of mine that lived across the street and he had asked me if he wanted, if I wanted a beer that he had made. And I'm like, absolutely. So <laughs> I had that and I was like, I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. You have to show me how to do this. That was a mistake for me because it became an obsession at that point. So <laughs> right. I, Sounds like home, something like Kevin would do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I haven't tried home brewing yet, but uh, I'm kind of like that too. I'll find something new and then I'm like, that's like turns into my whole world. Right. Well, and if you imagine, you know, I went from making five gallon batches to owning a restaurant now where I'm <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, the obsession was there and, and I still just can't stop. I yeah. love it. It's a, it's a great hobby. The best thing about this hobby is even if you screw it up, you still have beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I only had, I mean, I'm, I'm a real late starter. I'm, I, I think you and I are roughly around the same age. And I had my beer epiphany only about two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. I would just go around saying, no, I don't really like beer. I don't even understand why people drink beer. Because the only thing I ever drank was like the mass market crap. Right. And then yep. with foodies, we had somebody who wanted to work for us. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to pay you, I want you to do something different than I'm doing. And I'm not doing any beer reviews, so I want you to do beer reviews. But then I decided, okay, I have to learn how to do that myself, 
how if there's a particular format for uh, like a professional style beer review. So I learned about that. And then I started trying these craft beers. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's a whole new world. It, yeah, it, it is. is. It's it like, is. turns out I actually do like beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So it was uh, one of my trips where I was uh, actually traveling, uh, wound up in Colorado. Um, I think uh, the city was, it wasn't Fort Collins. It was um, Colorado Springs, actually. And uh, we had went to, we were done doing some work and went out to grab a beer afterwards. And I saw this beer called Fat Tire. And I'm like, huh, I started <laughs> laughing. I said, I'm going to try that just because I like the name. And that was the end for me right there. It was like, oh my God, this is, this is so good. That is so, so funny that you say that because um, we had a, a ski condo in Colorado. And every time I would hit the airport, I would get a fat tire. It was my favorite yeah. beer until we finally yeah. got it here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and trust me, I used to call the brewery saying when, I, when we were down here before they, before they distributed to Florida, I'm like, please, please bring beer down here, please. <laughs> I would go out of town. I would like, I'd take my car, I'd fill it up with fat tire, and you know, I'd, I'd bring back 10, 15 cases at a time, just to have it. So, right now that now that we can get it, unfortunately, I don't drink it that much. Often. <laughs> I know that's, that's what happens, right? But, but, you know, with yeah, with all the breweries that we have in town, there's such a great selection just locally, and uh, keeping it in house is is great. So, I try and do that as much as we can. So let me ask you, have you had any issues obtaining uh, CO2? I have not at the, at the moment, uh, but I haven't had to try because I stocked up before the whole COVID thing started. Right. Um, Smart. So yeah, I, I, I was lucky in, uh, in the sense that I saw some of the stuff happening and I stocked up on a lot of different products, pork being one of them and beef uh, hamburger. Nice. Uh, being- other that we stocked up we actually bought freezers and filled them up huh. um yeah pretty cool uh, we, yeah we, just just because but i haven't had to order any co2 but i have i still have a bunch yeah we, we were talking about that earlier before you were on that i've been reading i mean i think maybe a month ago was the first article i saw that there's like a co2 shortage and and i we asked like one or two breweries around here and they said no like, no problem for us and then a new article came out just uh, like a, about a week ago, same thing. And so yesterday I checked with every brewery in St. Pete and a mm, little more than half of them got back to me by now and they have no issues either. So maybe it's just, maybe, maybe it's only on like the macro level and not on the micro level. It could be, but you know, a lot of the macro guys actually recycle the CO2 that the beer generates. Hmm. Um, so like if you go to Yingling, they can show you how they actually capture the CO2 and then compress it into the big tanks. It's really cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of the guys that like guys on my level don't do that. Most people around here don't do that, but I can't imagine. I don't know. It could be a problem. It, the same thing with, uh, it was a helium. I think it was maybe about six or seven months ago. There was like a seemed like there was a big issue all of a sudden. And then. And that just went away. So I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm glad that nobody around here, including you, is having any issues getting CO2. I am having issues getting CO2 oh. for my soda stream. Oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> the, the one thing that we can prove it around here locally is uh, Lori has a soda stream and she likes to have vodka soda and makes her own. Right. Makes her own. 
and she had to go around to what how many targets three targets and i i had because kevin told me about the co2 shortage so i'm like i better go get some today so i took all my empty bottles because they let you trade them in for new ones right right. and um took all of them and none of them I, i went to three places i ended up getting six or seven i think at that time but then i tried to take my other three that en- en- emptied and tried, I don't want to say four or five different stores, and they all told me that no targets have them. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you can get some from Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if uh, we figure out a way to fill your bottle, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm okay right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and get into some really fun, cool details about Pesky Pelican Brew Pub. We'll be right back. I love soup, and I'm always in search of a great soup. Ramen is just so complex and delicious with layers of complex flavors in its broth. Booyah Ramen is one of my favorite places in downtown St. Pete, so much so that I recently included them on my top five Asian noodle soups list for their pork belly ramen. Now, Booyah's success is not just about the ramen. It's a hip, upbeat environment meant for unwinding and socializing with house-crafted cocktails, a large selection of Japanese whiskey, and izakaya, too. Those are small plates of different types of appetizers that are delicious, as well as the ramen. The ambiance of the place, along with the friendliness of the owners and staff, really adds to the character and charm of Buya. And to add to its coolness, the owners are actually opening up four more stores, one in Miami, and three in Berlin of all places. Yes, Berlin, Germany. How cool is that? Booyah Ramen is located at 911 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete and is open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Do ya, Booyah? Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build your own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by Build Your Own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm, but I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later. I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day, and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. We are back! We are back! We are back with Dan Pemberton from the Pesky Pelican Brew Pub. And as we said earlier, you guys uh, just recently turned four years old. And it all started with home brewing uh, taking over your life and you really went off the deep end and not only opened a small brewery, but an actual restaurant. Yes. Yeah. The pesky was actually, uh, conceived in a basement in Missouri. Uh, it was an idea between my daughter and myself as, uh, we were sitting around one day talking about 
how much we love to cook and how much, you know, I love to make beer. And I said, we ought to put together these two things and come up with a restaurant idea. So we started kicking around some stuff and putting together a menus and kind of having fun with it. And it, it kind of sat there for a while and, and nothing really happened until uh, 2016 when uh, the, the building became available. The previous owner decided that he needed to retire and this business became available. So I just, you know, I, I um, took it over and the pesky pelican came to life that day. Cool. Awesome. And you guys are off the beaten path, hidden away in a residential area. So pesky pelican is literally a neighborhood joint. And, <laughs> it's and, definitely a neighborhood spot. There's houses around every bit of us. And one of the descriptions I found online is it's a nano brewery and restaurant. I had to look up nano. Yeah, nano <laughs> is super nano, actually. We make 20 gallons of beer at a time. Cool. So a lot of the nano breweries around here make uh, three barrels, which is like 96 gallons. And we make 20 gallons at a time. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's pretty nano, but it gives me flexibility and and uh, being able to change a recipe or something right away without having to really wait too long or whatever. If I decide to do a different style, it's easy to do. Yeah, sure. Why not? Makes it more fun. Yep. <laughs> so, how many uh, house beers do you normally have available, and do they we rotate? Typically, we'll typically have five of our beers available, and there's four standard ones. Uh, Pesky Pelican Raspberry Wheat is our number one seller. Uh, it's a dark wheat beer uh, with a nice raspberry essence. And then uh, we have a pale ale that we do with a quite yeast, which is a Norwegian yeast. It's a, it's a the latest craze in the United States, uh, especially for breweries like myself who don't have a lot of refrigeration for fermenting. This yeast is really, really awesome in the fact that it can ferment at higher temperatures. And the same with the Belgian beer that I do. We, we just do that at warm temp. And then, um, and then we'll rotate a couple of beers around, just uh, whatever the seasonal stuff might be at the time, um, just doing something fun. That's pretty cool. And then do you also uh, carry other people's beer? Yes, absolutely. We, uh, we try to support uh, the local distributors around here, the, the beers that are distributed, the local breweries. We had, uh, we had quite a few beers on tap, and then right before the COVID, unfortunately, one of my beer coolers decided that it was done. It's a uh, life, lifetime expired. Very dead, Mr. Spock. And uh, the very next day, the same beer cooler that I used for my beer <laughs> oh, man. did the same thing. It's dead. So, yeah, so we're currently, uh, we're currently limited on what we're doing, but... Uh, there's plans for expansion right now at the Pesky, and we are actually going to uh, to expand into a couple more offices that are, are a couple more workspaces that are in this building, and we're going to oh, uh, cool. have a big tap wall instead of a uh, yeah instead That's of running cool. on uh, direct awesome. draw boxes. Congratulations! Yeah, it's very cool. We've we've been planning for this for uh, since we actually took over four years ago. Uh, we rented the spaces that were available at the time. And there was one space in between that area and the current pesky pelican. And, uh, the gentleman's that had this space has been here since 1974 and still working every day. And it was amazing, but he's finally decided to retire when COVID came along. And, uh, so we are taking that space and I have designers working. Very cool. Yeah. Let us know, uh, when, when that's up and running. 
We'll try to help get the word out. I certainly will. Yeah. So did, did you guys go into phase two last Friday? We did. Uh, we went back to 100% occupancy. We're also keeping the outdoor area um, as much as we can until the city says we have to take it down. Currently, uh, you know, we're we're not actually licensed, yeah. but they did give us approval to use the outside area, and we are um, we are seeing a lot of success with that. People really like to be outside right now, so we're hoping the city will be a little more flexible with their um, permitting. And we'll be able to expand our outdoor area. I have a feeling that they will because uh, here in downtown St. Pete, they just, oh, maybe a couple weeks ago now, two, two and a half weeks ago, they started blocking off uh, parking spaces to use for additional outdoor seating for, you know, downtown restaurants that are like, have the sidewalk. Right. I mean, I love that they're doing that because it's, you know, sure not easy. No. <laughs> a cool thing about uh, Pesky Pelican is that your logo was done by the Vitali Brothers. Uh, they, they painted all the stuff. So they painted, uh, we have an indoor mural, uh, that is fantastic to look at. I mean, they did an amazing job when you look at it from every angle, it just looks like, it looks like it's just, I can't even explain it. You have to see it yourself, but they, they did all the, uh, outdoor, uh, signage and stuff for us. The logo itself was done by the, one of the, one of our employees, his father actually drew drew the logo for us. Um, I sat down with him for five minutes and explained to him kind of what I was looking for. And he took a pen and put exactly That's what awesome. I was looking for on a piece of paper within minutes. And I, I cannot believe that that just happened. And, uh, so then he, uh, then after he did that, we digitized it, we printed everything up and he painted, we well, took an actual piece of, um, four by eight plywood, cut it in half and carved out the relief of Pete, who's our our uh, lo- our mascot, and then he painted it, and it is incredible. You see it right when you, as soon as you walk in the uh, in into the restaurant. That's awesome. That that is awesome. So we've talked about beer. Let's talk about food, and I want to do general and then specific. You guys have a pretty large menu, so we can't name read the whole thing. But you know, there's wings, baby back ribs, tacos. I think it's cool that you have tamales because you don't find those at a lot of places. <laughs> right. The tamales usually are only sold on Tuesdays with tacos. So tacos we only do on Tuesday. And like baby back ribs we do on Thursday. Our meatball sandwich or spaghetti and meatballs we only do on Monday. And Wednesday we have our wing special. We have wings every day of the week, but we have a special usually uh, revolving around wings on Wednesday. So we, um, our menu is, is extensive. Uh, I still think it's a little too large. Uh, we're, yeah, we're still trying to figure out how to trim it. Every time you take something off, you know, right. Right. you alienate some of your, uh, you know, clients about that particular item. But, um, you know, unfortunately from a business standpoint, trying to stock that, that much food to uh, to support a menu that just is uh, to me is too big for this restaurant, but in our expansion the restaurant is going to have a larger kitchen, which might support the menu a little bit better. So uh, yeah, our cook is excited about some of the plans I have for the kitchen as well uh, to 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 expand it out. Some of the fun things about our menu is that we you know we started out with uh, with the original menu from the previous owner and. Um, we kept some of the really good items that they had on there. And then we, we, you know, put our own spin to a lot of stuff. 
and then we added a added some stuff and removed some stuff. But what we did add is a bunch of stuff that is St. Louis specific food. You know, being from St. Louis, there's a lot of things that I missed about it. I went to an auction uh, one day and I bought this really small pizza oven and I was like so excited because I could actually make pizza now. Well, St. Louis style pizza is not the same as most people understand pizza, where it's ultra thin crust, like cracker thin crust, and it's crispy and it's made with Provel cheese. And people say, oh, you mean provolone? Nope, that's not what I mean at all. I mean Provel. Provel is a cheese that you can only buy in St. Louis. Yeah, it's a patented cheese. I, I believe the patent is held by one of the major pizza chains up there called Emos, I-M-O-S. And they used to have a restaurant in Tampa. Unfortunately, uh, most people didn't understand the concept of Provel cheese. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm converting <laughs> people one pizza at a time right now. It, it's an amazing blend of cheese. So if you imagine it's provolone, it's Swiss, and it's white cheddar that's blended to the consistency of Velveeta. Ah. So that's where you get your Provel. Uh, it melts beautifully. It is... Um, it is just an amazing cheese, especially for pizza. And we do a couple of other really cool uh, menu items with the Provel, St. Louis-specific stuff like a salad. And we have this thing called a Gerber sandwich, which is basically a half of a loaf of garlic bread with uh, grilled ham, that Provel You're cheese. You're making me so hungry paprika. right now, Dan. <laughs> it, it's a, yeah, it is an, it's an amazing sandwich. But again, it's a it's an item that if you're not from St. Louis, you wouldn't understand what it is. And I have people that drive literally wow. over two hours to come and get pizza. And it's it's an amazing. And, and I was surprised to find out actually how many people from St. Louis actually live in this area. We were lucky enough to be featured on a Fox 13 on their Bay Area Best segment, and it was specifically about the St. Louis style pizza and our St. Louis menu. When that aired, we had people lined up out the door coming to get the pizza. It, I mean, that's how that, you know, people are so religious to that Provel cheese that we actually sell it here. Uh, to buy it online, it's, it's very expensive to get it shipped in, you know, and that's what we were having to do. We're having to do, have it shipped uh, cases at a time, but it, it just makes it, it makes it worth it. And, and people are so happy to right. get a little taste of home. That and the toasted ravioli, which is another St. Louis thing. And you heard toasted ravioli and you've had them and there's cheese-filled ravioli. That to me is just a square cheese stick. It's um, toasted ravioli is supposed to be meat-filled and served with marinara sauce. And the ones that we do here are absolutely uh, amazing. And you also have the gooey butter cake and yours won an award. Ours wins many awards. Uh, two years ago, my sister, my sister bakes that gooey butter cake. And uh, she is just an amazing, amazing baker. But that gooey butter cake that we have took the Strawberry Festival Blue Ribbon uh, two years ago, 2019. And last year she entered uh, basically the same recipe. She changed it up a little bit and put in a red velvet cake. Oh, wow. And it took the That's Grand awesome. Master Award this year. So Yeah, she also took the Grand Master for cake decorating uh, with a cake that she entered at the Strawberry Festival. But last year at the Food and Brews Festival, or I guess it was this year, actually, Food and Brews Festival, it also took Best Dessert, People's Choice. So it's, uh, it, is, it is an incredible dessert, um, very rich. If you've never had gooey butter cake, it's even hard to explain. It's 
the best I can do is tell you it's like cross between a cheesecake and a pound cake. I actually uh, Googled St. Louis food and I found an article in uh, on Trip Savvy titled 10 Essential Foods to Eat in St. Louis. And the three items that you just we just talked about are number one, three and four. Number two, that number two, they have frozen custard. Right. So oh, the Ted Drew's frozen custard. Yeah, that the, the closest thing you can get around here is at Culver's. They do have a frozen custard but it's not near as good as Ted Drew's. Here's another thing. It said two interesting things. On the toasted ravioli, it says, the story goes that a cook accidentally dropped traditional ravioli into hot oil instead of water. The resulting fried ravioli was so well received they decided to put it on the menu. Yep, that's exactly what happened. And it became a a huge success. Now, the sad part, and I guess if I, I look at it that way, sadly, the gooey butter kicked was a mistake as well. Right. So some of the best foods that come out of, out of St. Louis right. are all mistakes. So it's hysterical though, but the gooey butter cake was also a mistake that uh, the, the baker had forgot to put an ingredient in and he was going to throw it out. And his wife was like, no, we're not throwing this out. We'll put some powdered sugar on it and sell it. And then people started lining up around the block to get <laughs> it. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of interesting that some of the best foods in St. Louis are Yeah, it's are pretty by cool. Accident. We have to check that out as soon as possible. And before we wrap up, I just want to mention that you guys have live music almost every day. Yeah, we've been doing that through the whole COVID thing. We since we do have uh the outdoor patio, we we uh have music outside of the patio area and uh we've been trying to do that just to give people a little sense yeah. of normalcy again. So you can come and be outside and not have to worry about being too close to somebody, but still have a little live music in your life and not have to right. be cooped up in your house. We, when we go back to full uh, 100% compliance, I think we may go back to just Friday, Saturdays and our open mic nights on Mondays, but we haven't made that decision yet. Uh, since, since people have been coming out to listen to music every night of the week, we may keep that going for a while to see how it goes. Yeah, and you guys are real good about updating your Facebook page just about every day, so people can always just check that and to know what's going on. You guys are located directly on the Pinellas Trail, so you can get there by bicycle. You can walk, bike, roller skate. And I, I love your motto, always fresh and annoyingly good. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that to me just it seemed right because it's you know we're trying to do as fresh as we can with the food, and you to come to a like a bar type environment and get such good food. It's just amazing. So to me, that's annoyingly good. (laughs) So you guys are in West St. Pete. And from the map, it looks like you're kind of in between Tyrone and Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're we're only a few blocks away from Tyrone Square Mall. And um, yeah, we're we're sort of like in between Tyrone Square Mall and uh, Admiral Farragut. So... Oh, okay. But anywhere, anywhere close to the mall, you find the trail, just follow the trail and you'll find us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And the website is peskypelicanbrewpub.com. Yes. Dan Pemberton, thank you so much. Yes, thank All right, you, guys, Dan. I really appreciate your time. We will be right back. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to reminding you that we have a new restaurant review for the Pesky Pelican Brew Pub and their unique St. Louis style of food. 
and bars got back open last week and restaurants seem to be getting busier. Even though they're still at 50% capacity, the city of St. Pete has allowed use of extra space for outdoor seating. And we are continuing to update our list of what's opened. To find it, go to stpetersburgfoodies.com and it's linked right at the top of the homepage. You can also Google restaurants open in St. Pete for June. We rank number one for that. Next week on the show, we have Mickey Peleologos from Mickey's Cafe and Organics. If you'd like to spam us, just send it to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Dan Pemberton. And thanks to our sponsors, Noble Crust, Pacific Counter, Booyah Ramen, and, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. I hope you're hungry.